Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. I am thrilled to be chatting with returning guest, author Emma Chase. Welcome back to Audiobook Lovin', Emma. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you. I'm good. I'm so happy to be here chatting with you. I know you've had a whirlwind of a couple of weeks with the release of your latest, you know, well, I released in audio a few months ago and then now it's everywhere. And then also Passion Flicks has, you know, tangled. So you've been busy. Yes, it has (laughs) been a very lovely, exciting, busy few weeks. On January 24th, I had my latest ebook and print release, Getting Real which had released on audiobook in October. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the following week on February 3rd, Passionflix released the Tangled movie worldwide. Um, It's streaming on their platform right now. Tangled is based on the very first book I ever published, um, Tangled of the Tangled series. I, I always think it's the funniest book I've ever written. So for those in your audience who don't know me, um, I write contemporary romance with humor, heat, and heart. (laughs) Love that tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just, I love uh, humor with my romance. And I just think, you know, having a good sense of humor, being funny is one of the most attractive qualities, particularly hero can have. Mm -hmm. And it just makes the story uh, quick and, and just really lively and fun. So there's humor throughout my stories. Um, Tangled, as I said, is definitely, I think, the funniest book I wrote. So I uh, was so thrilled when Passionflix reached out wanting to option it for a film. And we can talk about that as we go on. But that's me. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, you are an auto buy. If, it, you know, I don't even co- look at the cover or the blurb or what the title is. If you wrote it, I buy it um, because the dialogue and the banter. And I know I'm going to get a good story that has everything from the steam minutes, but also the character development, there's plot development. And in most cases, the angst isn't all that high because, mm. you know, drama and life already, <laughs> you know, I kind of like it like simple. Um, <laughs> life is complicated enough, but um, yeah. that's definitely something that is, if it's Emma Chase, I'm automatically buying it. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. I love dialogue, both like in my writing and my reading Um, dialogue is usually what I'm jotting down notes about on my phone. You know, it could be years before I actually write the book. If I have it planned in my head, the dialogue will come to me and I, I make those notes so I can have them later on. Um, I'm one of those people who, if I get to an argument with my husband, I'll think of like a great comeback, like two days later. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that my characters don't suffer from that. They're always very witty and quick with the banter. And even when it's not arguing, I just love those kind of verbal exchanges. I think it tells the audience so much about who the character is and just makes for a really enjoyable romance. Um, yeah. And especially usually the angst is pretty low. I mean, some of my books, so I have the Tangled series. I have the, um, legal brief series, the Royally series and the getting some series. And, you know, I feel like each of my books have that moment, that touch of emotion. Um, some of the stories certainly have more than others, but the getting some series getting real is the last book that just came out. Uh, That's definitely, I think my lightest, most comfort read series. And I definitely think that's also a reflection of the times. I think we just need a nice, pleasant, happy escape. Yeah. <laughs> just enjoy. We don't need our hearts ripped out right now. At least I don't. 
Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There's still moments when you're going, dun, 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 you know, when there's that, you know, something happens. If it wasn't the fact that I was listening to the book, I would probably have thrown it across the room sometimes when the guy does something stupid, um, sure. it, you know, that happens in romance. But it's definitely one of the things that I, that I loved about your latest release was that it was low angst, but it still had the emotional roller coasters of things and just yes. different factors and the the dialogue and the it was just it was awesome. And also the performance. It was narrated by Andy Arntz and Zachary Weber. And I think that was Zach's yeah. best oh performance gosh. till date. You know what? The, I really loved getting I loved the whole series on mm-hmm. the audiobooks. All the all all the books in the series were Audible originals. So mm-hmm. they all came out audio first. And um, Zachary Weber and Andy Arndt narrated all of them. And they were just phenomenal. But this last one, yeah, that, for me too, there was just something, it's so nice to listen to. Like I could listen to it over and over. Just the story was just very pleasant and fun, but also the way that they brought these characters to life and they were really able to, do all the different voices. I mean, there one scene where there were like five males speaking <laughs> in the scene and Zachary was able to make every single one sound just slightly different. Mm-hmm. And it was just enough that you knew that another person was talking. So they just really, Audible did a phenomenal job. Uh, Andy and Zachary did a phenomenal job. And I, I was just really great. Mm-hmm. The one thing also too, that some of these books of yours have in common is that there's always some kids involved in one way or the other in some cases. Yeah. And the way that you write the, the children, it's part of the comedy. It's also part of the, you know, the realism and also again, just the dialogue that the characters have with these kids. And then of course, bringing it into audio, Zach did a phenomenal job again. Andy always outshines um, when she yeah. does anything. But man, the kids, and this is inclusive of Tangle. There is a little girl character named Mackenzie in there that we're going to talk about soon. Because that girl, I was like, she's smart with that jar. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you know, I love to write kids in my book. I really do. I am lucky and blessed to have two healthy, intelligent, passionate children. (laughs) They're very outspoken and they're very, they're very funny. And, um, you know, they're, they're like late teens now, so. I feel like we've kind of gone almost the whole spectrum of, you know, different phases of the, of the childhood growing up. Um, it's make me laugh. And I've, I've said this before, if you've read my books that have kids in them, mm-hmm. you, you've met my children. <laughs> like not, I don't talk word for word, but so much of their spirit goes into the kids um, and they laugh every day. You know? So I do, I love writing children. I just think, you know, that old adage, things, it is so true, but, you know, they just bring so much life and, and comedy to a story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I like to, I, I really, I really like to give my readers, I think readers want those same emotions in each story. They just want it in a different way. So with each book, I really try to think of new ways to give them humor and romance, you know, and sweetness and the passion, you know, that we all love in romance as well. And I feel like I knew when I started to write Getting Real that Zachary and Andy would do amazing with the kids' performances, but also that that would really bring so much heartwarming moments and humor into the story. So that was really, really exciting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I swear I had a moment there when I was listening to Zach and I'm going, oh my God, you're going to be such a good dad. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not as well. And, you know, like Emma's the one that wrote all the words. I mean, he's just saying it, but it's, you can kind of imagine it. You just had that moment, you know, you oh, but such a good funny. job. Yeah, because he infused, he didn't like make him sound like a dad voice, but mm-hmm. he was able to, oh, he, he was able to infuse like the moments, like the caring moments and the teaching moments because Connor, who's the hero in Getting Real, you know, he he's a great dad and he's very, you know, his kids are his priority. And, but, but you see how it really unfolds. Like it's not all, always perfect and kids can be difficult and frustrating. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see all that and you, but he, he was able to express those moments when he was very like guiding them. And, and he just talked to them, you know, the way that a good dad would talk to their kids, you know? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah, he did. It was nice. It was nice to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So for the listeners that have not either read, listened, and or watched the movie, you may want to stop now because we're going to be like totally chatting about the movie and tangled as the books and comparing them. And so there's going to be spoilers. If you don't mind spoilers, keep hanging out with us. If not, pause it, go watch the movie, read the book, and then come back. Okay. <laughs> All right, I think everybody's going now. <laughs> the last thing I don't want, I, I mean, I, I, as a listener and a reader, I know how spoilers are always like, no, do not. But at the same time, like, I'm talking to him. I'm going to talk to her about this thing. Oh, <laughs> I know. There were behind the scenes photos that we had that I was like, oh, you know, before the movie came out that we didn't uh-huh. want to post because, I mean, again, even though there is a book out there, you don't want to ruin what certain moments look like or what they included or what they didn't include. You know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. want to try and keep that, keep that on the down low, but oh yeah. 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 So exactly. If you don't want spoilers, then don't listen. Cause we need to hash it out. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think everybody at this point has either paused it and, and started listening to the book or reading it or watching the movie. If not, hi everybody. And we're going to continue chatting because I loved the book and Sebastian York did a phenomenal job with narrating um, tangled and the book itself is done in you know single person point of view but that of the male yes. is that something that you again for your first book what made you decide to do it that way yeah so 100 percent, i agree sebastian it was phenomenal with the audio he the comedic timing which was mm-hmm. so important in this story um and just you know drew's voice the children, the child's voice, Mackenzie's voice, just the, across the board, he was really great. I, I, there's, I couldn't have asked for a better narrator for the story. So originally when I first started writing Tangled, it was actually in third person. So it was like, he said, she said, um, and it felt kind of slow. Like it felt like just really draggy and I wanted it to be snappier. Like I, I distinctly remember like, okay, now this, the pace has to pick up here. So um, I wrote the scene, the bar scene where Drew and Kate meet for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a character study. And, you know, I had the basic outline of the story that, you know, it was a playboy who meets a girl and, you know, he falls in love for the first time. That's not a, necessarily a new story. But I started writing that bar scene from Drew's point of view and all like the little asides where he breaks the fourth wall and speaks to the audience um, speaks to the reader directly. It just like flowed out. It just came so natural. And all these little pieces of advice that I had grown up with, you know, my guy friends, I have an older brother, 
like just so naturally kind of flowed into his narrative and and it became so much a part of who he is as a character this kind of like you know instruction like I'm going to show you I'm going to pass on my my wisdom (laughs) (laughs) and it was so fun and it really I think because it made his voice so distinct in my head it really felt like you know another person was kind of talking in my brain and that made it really spontaneous and fun and unexpected for me because Drew, you know, I, I don't speak how Drew necessarily talks and vice versa. So, you know, it just made it really fresh and fun to kind of dive into the story with this guy narrating, telling, you know, telling the action. Mm-hmm. He also breaks that fourth wall, as you mentioned, which was very like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And so what made you think that to, to have to you know drew they literally talk to the listeners and the readers yeah, I thought it would be different you know first of all I just thought it was different in a book the book also starts midway through mm-hmm. so the opening scene is about midway through the actual plot of the book and that I can tell you personally I I have a real hard time with the beginning of writing my books <laughs> those first few chapters I write out of order Okay. So Mm -hmm. I will write like, I like the the book that I'm currently working on, like the epilogue's done, last chapter done. So I, I know how the whole story goes and by writing out of order and by writing the scene that's clearest to me and that I'm most inspired to write that day, I feel like the writing's better, first of all, because I'm more connected. It's not pulling teeth and it keeps me motivated. It keeps me productive. Um, It gets me excited. You know, when, when chapter, when we finally catch up to like chapter 20, that's been in, you know, that's been in my computer. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I write in general. Um, So that's really why a a big part of why the story starts there. Also because Drew is a very arrogant, cocky kind of character. um, I think it made a huge difference for readers that we see him at his lowest point in that first chapter. Mm-hmm. Because then as you move on, you're, you're, it, it kind of really hooks the reader because they want to get to that part. They want to see, you know, how did you get to that low point? What happened? Especially like when things are going really good in the plot, you're like, wait, you know, no, <laughs> because you know that downfall is coming. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of keeps the reader really hooked too. Yeah. But as and- far as breaking, yeah, but as far as breaking the fourth wall, just like you said, I, I have to be honest and, and say that you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Singles was a 90s kind of um, ensemble rom-com that I grew up with. Those those types of movies, John Hughes films, you know, you have those kind of glances to the camera, the connection with the eyes, with the audience. Um, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the scene where he like lists, you know, how to get out of going to school. <laughs> I remember seeing that and I remember thinking it was the most amazing thing. <laughs> I had ever watched like he was talking to me mm-hmm. you know and it brought you into the story so I think a lot of that all those asides and all those breaking of fourth wall, fourth wall that's really I think what made that so fun and what what inspired me to do that yeah it was interesting to kind of catch it like you said the very beginning of the book is actually the middle of you know where we discover who this person is and you're in he's hilarious he's like i don't feel good i have the flu and i'm like yeah you have the man flu um (laughs) but at the same time i'm going as you're learning what's going on you're going oh you're broken hearted (laughs) 
because you don't, you know, he doesn't know this is the first time he's actually ever been in love. And, and then being able to kind of say, okay, well, how did this come about? You know, how do we get this playboy who thinks he's, you know, basically God's gift to women changing, you know, every day, different things, but he's also not that in your face about it either, which is one of the reasons why I did like it. Um, And, you know, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, how did he get from that to here? And what happened? So yeah, it was perfect, you know, in introduction to kind of making us like him initially. And then we don't like him because he's being a man whore. And then we're like, come on, get together. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he, he, I mean, he's honest. I think, you know, yes. he's, he's pretty, he can be honest about himself, like he, about his own failings at times. He mm-hmm. can say, you know, that he shouldn't be doing this or he screwed up or, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it's his honesty with, the women he dates and his honesty, his directness with the reader mm-hmm. that does, is kind of charming. You know, it kind of brings you in because there, there's an honor kind of to that honesty. Like mm-hmm. he's not trying to trick anyone. He's not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but at the same time, you know, he's unapologetic and he is who he is and, and he is smart and he is funny and he is good looking and successful. So he kind of is like all at the top of the world there in the beginning uh, well, no, not in the beginning. <laughs> after the first chapter. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's kind of intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're going, okay, how's this going to play out? Which is always a good thing because I know like with almost like murder mysteries, when you already know who done it, then it becomes, okay, I figured out who done it, but how did he get away with it? It then becomes like the next option, you know, kind of a thing. But it's like to kind of see, okay, like we know he's broken hard. How did he get that way? It was very much like, okay, how do we do this? And yes. it was, I just loved it. Again, for me, it was hilarious. Was like, I have, I'm not feeling well. I have the flu. <laughs> yeah, yes. And it really sets the stage to that opening to um, his family and some of the secondary characters, you yeah. know, in his apartment, he's been holed up in his apartment with quote unquote the flu for like a week. And it's his best friend and his um, older sister who, you know, finally basically beat down the door and make him open the door. And that's when the story starts to unfold. So that was a lot of fun too, because when the action catches back up, this whole time he has been telling them the story Mm -hmm. in the same way that he's been telling us the story. So it it really brings the audience in. I feel like it makes you feel like you're a part of the story. Yeah, it's like you're sitting there watching him completely unravel and then you're, okay, tell me what happened. So that yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah. So, so when it comes down to the movies when we follow yeah. the books and stuff like that, and then we have the announcement that it's being made into a TV series movie, we're going, Oh, this could go bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why there's a saying the book was better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. how was it when passion flicks comes to you and says, and, and so tell us about, did they come to you or how did that process yeah. start? Um, when it goes, hey, we want to do Tangled as a movie. Yes. Yeah. How, how did you feel? How was that process like? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, Tangle had optioned Rayleigh Screwed. And it's they still have it optioned. It's still in, in the works. Um, COVID has halted a lot of things because of that. But about, um, I want to say, it was maybe late 2019, early 2020, they had called my agent called me and she said that passion flicks had reached out and they were interested in tangled um also optioning tangled and i was like wow <laughs> like, <it was> really <laughs> exciting because when tangled was first published like that i had heard that 
feedback a lot, you know, that, oh, this would make a great movie. It's very visual kind of in your head as the story's unfolding. Um, so I was excited. I was thrilled. And I really like Passion Flix's work. I, I've known Tosca now, like I said, a few years and I trusted them. The great thing about them is they, you know, they they look for best-selling romance novels to make into films and series. And I feel like having seen their other work, they really understand what romance readers love about a story. Like I think um, sometimes in adaptations, you lose that, you know, because they don't get what, what the heart of the story is for the readers. And I think passion flicks, because they're readers themselves and they're fans, they understand that. So that being said, <laughs> Tangled, Tangled was not an easy book to adapt because so much of the character development and the humor happens in his head and happens mm-hmm. while he's talking to the audience. And the structure is different, you know, kind of unusual. It doesn't start from the beginning and kind of go to the end. It starts in the middle and then goes back to the beginning and then catches back up and then goes to the end. Um, so the structure was different, the breaking of the fourth wall, just how Drew talks and the examples that he uses to kind of illustrate his points. There was so much, so many kind of different directions I felt like that it could go in, in the, this adaptation. And Tangled was published in 2013. It's quite irreverent. You know, like I said, um, Drew is not, he's very unapologetic. And 2022 is very different, you know, from 2013. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was also a, a concern among some of my readers that I heard when I announced that it was optioned about whether they were going to water him down or like soften him or change mm-hmm. him. And, you know, so there, there was, there was some pressure there. You know, I was, I was hopeful and I trusted them, but um, I knew from the jump that it was not, like I said, an easy book straightforward book that to, to, to adapt. And um, Mary Pornick is, was the screenwriter. So we got the script going and the first draft of the script, all like Drew's cheekiness and his good stuff and his irreverence that was all in there. (laughs) So so I'm like, Oh, okay, we're going there. (laughs) You're like, thank God. (laughs) Yes. And I, new because like I said they don't like to change from the book Mm -hmm. so but I did think it was a really bold choice for passion flicks to do especially now for them to make this movie they greenlit it um last summer Mm -hmm. they shot it in August and it was released you know February 3rd so I I did think it was a bold move for them to make this film now and I think Tosca really felt um that you know we need rom-coms now we need laughter And we need something that's smart and funny and a a kind of bold escape, you know, from, from all the craziness that's going on around us. So, and I agree with that so much. So once we, so we worked on the script a little bit and then um, do you want me to stop there or do you want me to continue on about the next steps? No, yeah, keep going, keep going. I'm listening. Okay. Sorry. And it got torn out. Okay. So um, once we had, you know, gone through, I think, three drafts of the script, Mary, myself, and Tosca, um, we were ready to start shooting. 
and Tosca introduced me to the director, Tracy Hayes. Uh, Tracy had done a short quickie film for Passion Flicks Hooked, which was written by uh, Nina Bocci, which I absolutely loved. If you, if you haven't watched the quickie Hooked on Passion Flicks, I highly recommend it. It's just this really happy, funny, quick little rom-com that will just make you smile. So I, I saw that. And when I saw some of Tracy's work, I was really excited because I'm like, okay, she's done this rom-com quickies and she knows how to do, you know, the rom-comness, I guess. Yeah, she gets the feel. <laughs> there, there's a different feel to it. Yeah. There's a different feel to it than a drama. Exactly. Uh-huh. So um, I, Tracy had come to Jersey to kind of look at some locations and we met for lunch and we immediately connected. I, I absolutely adore her. And we stayed for lunch. We literally like shut the restaurant down. Like they were like hanging up chairs. Like, please go home. It's yeah, dinner service is done. Yeah. <laughs> but we just kept talking and I just I loved her vision for the movie and she talked about the different shots and the energy and the movement of how the film would go you know, when Drew was talking to the audience and, and just the overall feel of it. And that's when I really let myself be excited. And I kind of really knew that it was going to be something super special um, with Tracy at the helm. And I just completely trusted her. And, and like I said, she, she got the story, she got the character, like, so then it was kind of, you know, we were full steam ahead and I was really just excited with what she was going to do with this story. So um, then we started casting and there were a couple days over the summer that Tracy and I stayed on the phone. Oh God, probably for like eight hours a day where <laughs> we just like we went over every single line in the script because there was so much comedy. Like there were so many funny lines that readers loved. And that was it too. Tracy was very aware of the fact that, you know, that readers loved this story and loved this character. And so it was very important to her to get the story right for them as well. You know, not just to tell a great, funny, romantic story, but to tell the story that the readers had been hoping for. So um, and particularly when it came to Drew. Yeah. Um, so we went through like line by line, just because, like I said, there were so many different, really funny parts in the book. But because, you know, we had a 300 page book and we had... I think 120 page script. So, you know, we really had to condense and decide what can stay in, you know, for comedic value, but also what moved the story along. Like Mm -hmm. what did readers need to know about this guy and need to know about these characters and what absolutely had to stay or else you wouldn't get him, you know, and, and something would be missing. You wouldn't get the story. You wouldn't get where he was coming from. So that's kind of, what we did with the script was that refining of mm-hmm. you know, how to tell the story best. Yeah. And then when the movie started and I was watching and I'm going, dude, it's like they literally copy pasted because a lot of it was exactly like the book, which we like, we like it when it's like that. Um. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, you know, you have to change some things because dialogue that works in a book, like yes. I wrote it. Okay. So I never realized I love dialogue. Like I said, I never realized how long some of my characters <laughs> talk for. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like half a page. 
which is fine. You know, it's, it's great because it's snappy, you know, monologuing. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it's for a book, you know, especially with audio too. So it works. You know, and, and for a movie, you just can't have a character standing there. Like maybe once or twice in a film, you can do that, but you just can't have them standing there <laughs> talking. Yeah, I mean, that, that coffee becomes cold after a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So even that, like, but yeah, they they took the dialogue as long as it worked and as long as it felt natural to say, mm-hmm. because that's the other thing too. Some dialogue that really works in a book can feel really stunted and awkward and weird to say out loud um, for a real person, you know what I mean, to say. So that we wanted to make sure that it, it sounded, you know, like something. Yeah, more natural too. I mean, sometimes the dialogue helps us, but at the same time, when we're looking at at a visually, a look says it says it all. You don't have to tell us, you know, with the words that that's that look means. So that's also where that interpretation can for the movies is really good. I was like, okay, so that's what. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, (laughs) I envisioned when I thought about Tangled becoming a movie that opening scene. Yeah, and I was so glad that they wanted to keep that in there because there's just something about you know that's me. True evidence. And he's on the couch. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they were doing the 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 previews and the stuff, and they were doing those teasers that of coming out, I'm going, yes, they kept that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then you then you become, what else did they keep? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. Well, that that's exactly it. Yeah. No, I mean, and then we moved forward with casting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, they did casting over the summer last year and again I was I was so happy to be included they were wonderful you know to have my input and to just get my thoughts um the actress who plays Kate Brooks is Catherine Hughes and she's Mm -hmm. you know phenomenal she's beautiful and she's she plays Kate as vulnerable but strong and she just does Mm -hmm. you know a phenomenal job with her so you know as we cast each cast member it you know, the vision kind of really came together and it was just really exciting. Every single actor in this film just, I think, did a phenomenal job. They just really, you know, brought their performances and embodied the characters that these readers know so well from the book. So the hero Um, with Drew and casting him, I'm I'm kind of curious because A, the book is totally of his point of view. You have him envision of what he kind of sounds like and looks like in your head as the creator of Drew. And then now as the audiobook, we have Sebastian Zork's voice. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of that. When it when it was optioned, I got a lot of make him sound like Sebastian York. <laughs> Pick somebody who sounds like Sebastian York. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine what that process must have been like for you as well to kind of cast someone to kind of fit everything, but also portray the character as he should be on film. Because there's a yeah. difference. Yeah. Yeah. So it was that we, I think we looked for Drew for a while. Um, and I, I was really, so, you know, so they sent me kind of the different audition tapes. It was all done during zoom. You know, they did an audition tape with actual dialogue from the script and, um, and then they send it in and then, you know, Tracy and passion flicks and the casting director, kind of narrowed it down a little bit to a couple different choices but when they sent me Josh um Josh's audition I was I was down the shore I had rented a beach house with my kids so I sent them to the beach and his he I just I loved his audition there was something so 
likable and very warm about the way that he portrayed Drew. Right from right from the jump, there was just something really, I don't want to say sweet because that's the wrong word, but just again, just really likable and 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 fun. Mm-hmm. And um, and then he made me laugh. So in, in audition tape, he was doing um, the scene where he calls Kate. And this is after he screws up. And he calls her home and they're kind of going back and forth. And, and you know, he just, he kind of ad-libbed a little bit and he, he'd asked Kate about Billy, you know, oh, do you still talk to him? And she says, you know, Billy moved to LA. And Josh kind of looked at the camera. He's like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost it. And to get me to laugh at these characters at this point, when I have like read and reread this book and the story, so many times like that was huge that was really something that you know that got me excited about him for the role and then there was another scene that he auditioned with where he meets Kate in the bar and um Drew says at that point I'm Drew by the way and you are and the way that he said that line the way that he delivered it I I said out loud there he is because it was just you know, Tracy and I had, had had a lot of discussions about, you know, what we were looking for, for Drew. And what I kept saying was, you know, he can't, he can't look like he's trying to pick her up. It just has to happen. Like, he can't look like he's trying to be confident. He just has to be like, and I couldn't, I didn't even know if I was articulating that correctly or how an actor would go about doing that. <laughs> but, you know, Josh was able to do it. And he was able to deliver these lines without it being sleazy, which yeah. could very easily have been <laughs> sleazy. Like that's the other thing. I mean, even with this great script and everything, you know, again, coming back to the story in the wrong hands with the wrong director, with the wrong production company, with the different actors. I mean, it could have been a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the character really walks that line of likability you know you do like him and he's wonderful and you adore him but he says and does these things that you just want to smack him for sometimes so like in the wrong hands again that could have been not great <laughs> but we were extremely fortunate that you know it wasn't in passion flex's hands and it was in tracy's hands and these amazing actors josh and Catherine, and really the whole cast yeah um, just uh, understood yeah. their rules. And, and and that's what it was with Josh too. He understood, I think he understood Drew and he understood that in a film, you know, how to make him vulnerable and how to make, how to bring the audience along for the ride in a way that they were going to be rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's just, I cannot imagine having to go through that process when it comes down to casting. I mean, I know what it's like to try to find a book cover model that kind yeah. of fits the bill of the character because that's a pet peeve of mine when the you know you're telling me that the character is blonde but he has you know dark black hair on the cover no girl that's not how this works um <laughs> so I've, when it sworn, I've sat there and be like i'm never doing a full face cover again yeah, I mean, <laughs> because it's <laughs> hard partial faces <laughs> yeah it's hard and so i can only imagine again you being the creator of this character having written the, the, the words and, and the personality and everything, then having to have the audiobook of everybody loving Sebastian's performance, how yeah. he handled it, how he voiced it, his own voice to begin with done. Right. Yeah. And then having to find someone that lives up to all those expectations. It carry, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> well, that, 
That's exactly it. And that is such the tricky part with an adaptation is every single person who has read or listened to this book has a different image in their head of what every character looks like, what the sets look like, what they sound like. You know, again, Drew, I think, I think having Sebastian York's audiobooks be so popular and, and so beloved for the story, a lot of people heard Sebastian York's voice as Drew's voice. Um, so, but, but really, you know, I mean, like I said, like everybody has kind of a different image in their head. So you do worry that you're not going to be able to please everyone. What I think the actors were able to do so amazingly is they embodied who the characters were. Like they got these characters and that was so fun for me. Like when I was on the set watching them film, sometimes they would add like little mannerisms or, and they made the characters their own as well. So they understood who they were and they kind of took them, you know, to the, like the next level. So like little mannerisms or, you know, add a little line here or there. And it cracked me up because I'm like, that's exactly what they would do. Like, that's just how they would say that. And that was really exciting, you know, to, to, to see that kind of happening mm -hmm. because I knew that once my readers or even people who hadn't read the book saw the embodiment of those characters, then it would be familiar to them, you know, and they would get it and they would enjoy it. And also um, all the beats, like the emotional beats in the story match all the emotional beats in the film. So, yeah. you know, like when you're, okay, what's that? When you're curious about Drew and then you're annoyed with him and then you like him and then, you know, you're hopeful and then you're really annoyed with him, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then when you laugh, you're, you laugh when you're supposed to laugh, like the, the comedy is there, the romance is there, the passion and the intensity is there. Um, and, you know, the sweetness and the humor is all there. So that's what I think really works too for readers who have, have seen the film and enjoyed it is it feels like you're reading the book because all those emotional beats match up. Yeah. And also because it's a, it's a single point of view from Drew's perspective, we were going, I was also thinking like, okay, how is Kate going to be played in a sense of, you know, we only saw her from his perspective and what, she, you know, he thinks he was, she was thinking and what she, you know, what he maybe had thought he heard because it's probably wrong <laughs> from what she was actually saying because <laughs> you know men sorry love you guys anyways um <laughs> but the actress kate it's also funny too her name was kate um did a phenomenal yeah. job of bringing this character to life because the character is is extremely smart and sassy and holds her own and is one of the top in her in her you know from from her degree and it's to the point where she was wooed into by this, you know, company that Drew, you know, dad owns. But at the same time, she's also not going goo goo gaga over Drew, which is like, thank you. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> no, Catherine did an amazing job of mm -hmm. making Kate um, relatable and mm -hmm. warm and funny and sweet, but very strong and very, you know, she doesn't take any crap, um, but she's not angry. You know what I mean? Like, and she has yes. times at Drew, but it's not just, it's not one note. There's nuance to her performance. Yes. And, and that's what I think was the key because the character is not just angry. She's hurt and she's afraid and she's, you know, falling for this guy who it's not really probably very smart for her to be falling for. And she's starting this new job and she's ending this relationship, this long-term relationship from her childhood. That's just kind of 
you know, ended. Um, and I think Catherine was so wonderfully able mm-hmm. to capture that nuance of all those different emotions, which um, made Kate human. You know, they made yep. them like real. They made them real people. I definitely wanted to have, like hang out with her afterwards and say, yeah. you did not, he did not do that. Did Oh God. <laughs> and Catherine sings. There's a, there's a scene yes. in the karaoke bar that they kept in from the book and the actual lyrics from the book. Um, they hired a composer, Michael Lord, who set the lyrics to a beautiful um, music and Catherine sings and Ruben who plays Billy also sings. It, it was, um, yeah, it was great to see that. Yes. And the, I mean, it was amazing. They, they did so great with it. Yeah. So yeah, no, they just, they, they just did a phenomenal job in that respect, bringing um, those characters to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's a, the other thing too, that I liked about the character and how she was played was that a lot of times we, when we think of a strong, smart, independent woman, you know, there's a hardness to her a bit because she's had to climb the ladder. She's had to, you know, show her and prove herself over and over and over to get to, to get to where she's at. And, you know, Kate was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. Cause I'm like, that's how I am. I mean, I, I work my ass off, but I'm nice. I'm not, you know, this hard, yeah. you know, edgy kind of a person. So it was nice to see that also portrayed in the movie as well as in the book. Yeah, you know, and Catherine was amazing too. We had a lot of conversations, you know, emails and also through Tracy, the director, where she wanted to know a lot of, you know, Kate's background, like what her motivations were, Um, you know, and as you find out in the story, you find out what her motivation is. Her father passed away when she was younger and her mom still works, you know, this diner that they own back at home. So she has this motivation to succeed. Again, that's very relatable and that's Mm -hmm. very kind of, human and so you understand kind of where she's coming from um in in that respect and so she's not just one note you know she's not just angry or annoyed no she's strong and she's determined but you know she's also sweet and funny and she has a great sense of humor um and she's also imperfect herself and I Mm -hmm. think that's Catherine was able to present those imperfections as, as really again relatable you understand the conflict that she's going through um but it's all, you know, very fun and light too at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, yeah, very magical. It was funny because in one of the discussions that we had had before filming, they had asked me about Kate's glasses because Kate wears glasses in the book occasionally. And she also wears glasses in the film. And they were like, okay, so what's like, what's the deal with the glasses? Like, does she wear contacts? And I was like, <laughs> that is an excellent question. <laughs> I've never really thought about it. It's like sometimes she's like, there's no scene in the whole series. There's no scene of her taking contact lenses out. <laughs> so I'm like, she must need them for reading. They're reading glasses. <laughs> They're computer glasses. Yeah, that. <laughs> but it was funny, you know, like, again, it was just a great experience for me, but to work with the actors who, you know, wanted to understand these characters. So wanted to kind of have this information and background information just in their head. And, you know, it made me kind of sort them some things out, too, that just had never come up before. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure now you're also thinking about some of those little nuances when it comes down to the next book that you're going to be writing or that you have been writing since all this. That, you know, like when it comes down to some of these little details that we as listeners, you know, completely 
okay, she wears glasses. Like I wear glasses all the time because otherwise right. I'm blind. Uh, <laughs> so it's just one of those that she mentioned, you know, they mentioned that she wears glasses. So my assumption is that she's wearing them all the time. Right. You know, but in the movies, yeah, when it's, now it's adapted, you're going, huh, we're going to go. Yeah. How can she yeah. walk? She can't see because I know I can't. <laughs> yeah. What I remember when I was writing Tangled, what I was definitely detail-oriented about was the timeline. Like mm-hmm. I actually got a calendar out because the timeline's actually very specific in in the book and in the movie of when mm-hmm. certain dates happen. They, were, they happen, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christmas is approaching and there's certain kind of set weeks where you kind of had to work out. So I literally had a calendar and I wrote down, okay, they meet on this day because also then, like I said, it starts in the middle and then you flash back. I think in the book, it says two months, two months earlier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you kind of had to, I, I, it was really important for me to not mess that up. I remember working on that, you know, with my editor, those specific weeks and dates and the timeline of it. Yeah. Cause there will be a reader that picks that up. You know, there's some of us that oh, just completely oh. gloss over it because we want more of the, the, the meat of the story. But those little details sometimes will will catch you. you oh, know? yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and they'll tell you. A hundred percent. Now, the one thing, too, that um, I was glad it was kept because anytime there's an adaption of a movie, you kind of want to make sure that the that the majority of the book is, is captured within the movie. I was surprised they kept it. And I also wanted to ask and talk to you about it. So in, in the book, Drew has the older sister, which we discover and we learn, you know, yes. the opening scene when she's knocking on that door. And as the older sister, I can relate. Yeah. Um, I'm like, open the goddamn fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what the hell? Like, if you're dying, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> you know, some things that you're, you're, you're looking at, like, hmm. If I was dying, how would I let you know? I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me, you know, and also the fixer. She seems to be like the fixer of a lot of his, you know, as the older sister of siblings, we tend to have a little harder than the younger ones. Now, when it comes on the different sexes, the boys, regardless if they're first or younger, sometimes tend to have it a lot easier than the girls for a lot of different things. Um, But he does address her as the bitch. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I know for a fact that 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 nickname, that loving term of endearment from a sibling has been uttered by my younger brother quite frequently. (laughs) (laughs) He also knows I better not hear out of his mouth while I'm in the room, you know, but he will Mm -hmm. also jump if anybody else says that about me. He beats the shit out of them. (laughs) Like no one can say that except for me. Absolutely. But he refers to her as that more than once. And it's almost is like that is her name for him. Was you know, what was that in your head when you were writing this? Like, how did that come about? Because there was part of the reviews that I was looking at when I was I knew we were gonna be chatting. This came up a lot. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, it's definitely a, we didn't want to change him or change the book, the the boldness and the mm-hmm. unapologeticness of the book. And um, it was important that the line also, the first time he says that, mm-hmm. he says, um, when I say the word bitch, I mean it in the most affectionate way possible. I swear. Yes. So it is, and I think it is something that siblings can understand, but, but also I think it says a lot about their relationship. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I look at the secondary characters and the reason I was so grateful and excited that the actors performed 
their second, the secondary actors perform their roles so fantastically is because each one of them not only contributes to the story as a whole, but contributes to the main characters as a whole too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who his sister is and how they relate tells the audience in a, a way, a part of who Drew is and why he is the way he is and what has contributed to him becoming kind of the way he is. Like in the book, he goes into a little bit more detail about how he was spoiled and mm -hmm. his sister spoiled him. So you, and I, I, I really like to, I always think of it in my head when I'm writing is what has made this character, this character, how did they get here? You know, what were their experiences? What was their upbringing? What were their role models? Um, because I think that that's, you know, everything that shapes us kind of growing up to get us to this certain point where the story starts. So I think having that relationship says so much about who Alexandra is. Like you said, she is, she's, she's not just a stay at home mom of Drew's niece. You know, she is a force to be reckoned with. She is the older sibling. She's kind of calling the shots in very several ways. He's very much, you know, the annoying little brother at times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for her. Um, and I think overall, for those of us who have older and young, younger siblings, you know, I think it's something that you can kind of relate to without being offended by it. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's a playful nickname. It's not meant to be hurtful in some ways. It's meant to be a compliment because, you know, for those of you, for like for, for people who kind of look at the women who are in Drew's life, in Drew's life, He's, you know, surrounded by strong, forceful, stubborn, opinionated women. And, you know, who does he listen to? When Matthew tries to get him to open the door, his best friend, he doesn't open the door. But when right. I mean, he tried for almost comes, a week, he said, you know, it's like he won't open yes. it for me. Yeah. <laughs> when his big sister comes, he opens that door mm -hmm. and she's the one he goes to for advice. She is the one he listens to. Mm hmm. So, um, so yeah, so there were definitely, I mean, believe me, there were definitely certain lines, you know, I, I thought, you know, when the actors had to say them, I'm like, oof, sorry guys, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it is, it does hit a little bit differently when you're reading a book uh -huh. as opposed to an actual person say that out loud. Um, at the same time, the story is the story. The characters are who they are. I think the movie was like amazingly representative of the book. And I think the actors really were able to pull off even those lines, you know what I mean? That might be a little bit dicier or might be harder here. Um, I think they were still really able to do a great job by making it convincing and still, you know, making these characters really lovable. Mm -hmm. Well, cause when I was re listening to the book, he calls her that and he doesn't really say that whole bit of, it, it's meant with the, you know, the best of intentions. It's a term of endearment kind of a thing. And so I knew that when it came down to translating at the end, how we find out all this stuff about how he really does love her as a sister and he does, you know, cherish her and care about what, her, you know, her opinion of him is, yeah. how is that going to translate to the visual without us being in his head? And the fact right. that they did it as that, you know, breaking the fourth wall and saying, no, listen, guys, I know I just called her a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but truly exactly. I was like yes they captured that yes good I was like oh, okay yeah you know? <laughs> and, and then the right and then I'm like the only other moment that was like hmm was during the dinner scene when the I think was it Thanksgiving and he, you know they're bad bantering back and forth again as a sibling I totally get it that we will put, put punch each other's buttons 
Yes. And sometimes we will grab that hammer and beat the shit out of that button to say it exactly knowing where it hits. And he busts out with, but you're just a stay-at-home mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, well, he said you're a stay-at-home mom. Does he say that's commendable? Don't get me wrong. Yes, he then breaks the fourth wall again. And he kind of says, or he does it to her, stuff like that. But again, it's it's as a woman. Yes. And someone, and you know, with romance, you know, Landia, that's one of those things that we've been fighting for for so many years that, you know, stay-at-home moms are just, you know, it's a job. It's hard, you know, it's a lot. And, you know, but the way that it was handled, I think was really well done because, yeah. you know, and it's just a, how you handle it in the book, but also in the story. And those yeah. were the two things that people sometimes will be like, oh, it's a woman writer. We would expect that from a man or to take it the wrong way. But again, the way that you've written the character, I think it's very, you know, we kind of get more insight to it. And again, as a sibling, I know that he pushes my buttons. He knows exactly what to say, that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, no, and it's the nuance, again, in the book and in the movie, I think that mm-hmm. translated super well. Yes is you know none of these people are necessarily perfect they don't speak perfectly they don't say all the perfect things or make all the right choices mm-hmm. um but i think it's real i think it's really you know real in a rom-com world anyway yeah <laughs> relatable in that like during that part like drew's t- trying to tell his dad oh you know we should bring mackenzie in this is their niece to meet kate because you know mackenzie should be exposed to business women as yes. well so it's very kind of interesting because on one hand, he's kind of given a dig at his sister while yep. at the same time he's elevating Kate's status as a businesswoman and wanting to expose his niece to that. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, for people, for guys, guys or girls, you know, that, that you do have, again, that, that duality, that nuance mm-hmm. to you. You know, I mean, I remember this was younger, you know, back in the day, but like guys who would maybe not be that great to their girlfriends, but if anybody treated their sister the same way, you know, someone was getting beaten up. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, there's, there's rules for my girlfriend, but then there's completely different rules for my mom or my sister, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, not saying that that is right, a good way to be or the right way to be, but I do think it's a relatable Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's something that will be familiar, I think, to people. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and also, too, and this has happened with, with some of my books, too. And this is why, like, reading in movies, it, it's subjective. You know, certain things that stand out to people or that people catch or the way they interpret yep. certain things, you know, you can't control that. And some people are going to see it the same way you did when you were like creating it. And some people are going to see it totally differently or take it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's just kind of the beauty of, of art, whether it be filmmaking or a picture or a book or a story. Yeah. And also like where we are in life sometimes, you know, if we are, you know, the stay at home mom versus, you know, the, the working mom or the single parent and stuff like that, it's, it's a lot of like, it hits differently based on our own, you know, lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, I took it again as a sibling. That's that one thing. (laughs) (laughs) And he is, he's very much that kind of, again, that spoiled little brother. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really great too, because what I worried about was not worried about, but what I had in my head um, was that the admiration that Drew has for Kate particularly in the office, you know, the fact that she is so intelligent, that she Mm -hmm. is so good 
it, I think I thought that was really important to for that to come across because, um, you know, he admires her. And even if he's saying, well, he's competing with her and trying to undercut her and trying to one up her, you know what I mean? He still admires her so much for her skill in the workplace and for her intelligence. And I just thought Josh was so great at like yep. showing that. You know, because again, there wasn't really anything, there wasn't a whole lot of room in the actual script. I mean, he does have some internal thoughts when she's giving her presentation, but just throughout the whole movie, you can kind of see how enamored he is of her and how much he admires her. And I think that's really needed, you know, to make the overall story work. Yes. And and even how there were times where she was presenting how he's looking at her and it's almost like the camera did that and i'm sure the director probably did it on purpose too when it's at sure. the work and she's presenting and he's looking at her and admiring her and stuff like like my god she's really smart and she's hitting the nail on the head and this is exactly how it should be done and it's almost that same look but there was something a little softer to it when she was singing yes yeah oh i never even thought about that but that's true yeah mm-hmm. um or when there's other moments where it's more on a private note like when they're talking about like the the if they've never been in love or what have they done and stuff like that and he's really intrigued by the answers he's actively listening to her yeah and and that that day i think they captured it beautifully um versus it making it look like he's just yeah you're hot i want to fuck you yeah <laughs> so easily could have been an interpretation you know mm-hmm. like I think Josh was just really aware and very, very smart about how he presented Drew, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean, to the audience in that. And we had discussed this, you know, when I'm writing a book, you know, I can make you love a character, even if they're being a terrible human being, you know, I can make you probably love you, love them more. Yes, you are gifted (laughs) that way. than you did before because you're in their head and you if I'm doing my job right you're feeling what they're feeling mm-hmm. I you are aware of their conflict and their regret and their desire and you know all those emotions that they're feeling you are feeling it right along with them when in a film when you're looking at it from the outside and even though it's from his perspective you're not necessarily in his head with him mm-hmm. and the actor has to show you that and, and bring you into that. And I just think he was really, that that made all the difference that he was able to do that and convey all those feelings that you pick up in the book just by visually kind of looking at him, by the expression on his face, by the way he looks at her, by his mannerisms and all that. Yeah. There was even that tilt of the head that he was literally like leaning in. Yeah. And listening to her or when she was singing, you, you saw that tilt like, oh, that we would normally do. Yeah. You know, yeah. he kind of had that. It was like, oh, they're well done. <laughs> yeah. There was another part when they were dancing. Yes. We were dancing in the club. And it was so cute because like she kind of doesn't know where to put her hands. And he puts it, her hands on his shoulders and they laugh. And they're just really, they're really adorable together. And kind mm-hmm. of all those little moments, I feel like add up give you that like rom-com feel you know what I mean that oh these two people belong together <laughs> yeah and in between all that you have the you know Mackenzie and, and some of these scenes where you know she's also the bit of the character that kind of gives you that human but also reflects how Drew as a as a male character really does love his niece and thus the women in his life and how he respects them yeah. um where I mean, she she carries around a freaking swear jar because she also knows her uncle. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, Uncle Drew's coming over." Cha ching. 
Yes. Yeah. The, I mean, the actress who played Mackenzie was so amazing. And mm-hmm. I think she just carried her lines so well. You know, it wasn't overly done. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? it was like, you know, saccharine sweet or anything like that. It was just really natural. And, you know, the truth of it, the truth of kids saying, Oh yeah, he said he was pussy whipped. <laughs> don't want them to repeating the things, the exact thing you don't want them to. You know, it's funny because it's true. It's funny because it happens. Yeah, I think she was just masterful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got to give it to her from a character perspective too, because it was like at the beginning it was like a dollar per word, and then she upped it to ten per word. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, that my- was Kate said hers inflation. Yep. It was. Yes. And as a businesswoman, you know, especially in money, come on, we got to think about that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No. And I think like you said, it does show, you know, when, when you look at, when you look kind of between the lines and not just Mm -hmm. some of the things that he says that, that aren't necessarily acceptable that he shouldn't say. Um, But overall, when you look at the women in his life and, you know, again, how he treats his niece, what he wants for his niece, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the experiences and the people, the role models he wants to expose her to, you know, how he relates to his sister and his mom. And it goes into a little bit more detail in the book about his mom, but his mom was a lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. and then she became a stay at home mom, you know, when they had kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, again, it, it's those, all those little pieces that go into your understanding of who the character is. And what I was really excited for, I think in a lot of, lot of adaptations, you, you can lose that feeling of who a character is because there's just not enough time mm-hmm. to get it all in the movie. And I think with this film, they just did such a great job of, you know, giving you all those supporting details of, of, of who this person is and letting you like them and letting you root for them as a couple. Yeah. And that's because we don't get all those details, as you were saying, even in that dinner where the, you know, Kate is brought up and the mom's like and who's Kate yeah you know <laughs> like ooh, this one means something because we're talking about her <laughs> yes, like, and the way she said it like yes said it all yes, yes. all that without having to actually say it <laughs> they, exactly and it was just like again I think everybody all the actors really did a really phenomenal job of bringing these little things to the screen that again, from a listener perspective and a reader, we know it because we're reading the words you're, you, uh, you as uh, the author are telling us what's happening and we're not in their heads. So I think they did a great job with all that. Yeah. It, it's a really fun movie. You yeah. know, I, I love hearing from people who have watched it two or three times and it just made them happy and, you know, put a smile on their face. And that's what I was really excited for. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very proud and grateful. I think, um, you know, that they just made a great, lovely, delightful movie, you yeah. know, from the story. So, and I am glad that my readers can enjoy it now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? In film and that people who haven't read the book are able to enjoy the film too. I think that's like the mark of a really great adaptation when you can not have read the book and still thought it was a fun, romantic great movie yeah and also when you have not read the book but you watch the film and then you want to go read the book because you also want to compare it in the opposite direction um the other thing too that i was going to ask because it was such a oh moment in in the movie is that they're watching tv and it's the matchmaker playbook yeah 
<laughs> which is a passion flick movie and the book is written by you know rachel van dyke Dyken, and, yeah. it's, and that's also one of my favorites that they've done i love that movie too yeah no yeah. that was great it was really did, good did they come to you and say hey we're gonna put something on the screen do you want something in particular or no did they I mean, just had discussions because there's certain things that they can and can't do right for a film you know, like I can mention that Drew's watching Beauty and the Beast. Um, we, you know, we have to get express permission from. Yeah. <laughs> copyrights, baby. Copyrights. <laughs> you know, they have control over how their product is used. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Maybe they don't want, you know, Belle and the Beast in. <laughs> Maybe they would have. I don't know. <laughs> but there were certain things that we, you know, we kind of, you can and you can't do. Mm-hmm. um in the film so no you know we didn't have that discussion that was a surprise to me too but i loved that there was like that little like easter egg there mm-hmm. for passion flicks viewers for you know readers rachel's readers my readers like i just thought it was really cute and funny like okay we couldn't so if you've read the book and you love the book and you know what is there in the book you're gonna know that it's changed Mm-hmm. But I think it's changed in a really funny, wink, wink, cheeky kind of way. Yes. The smile on her face. Yeah. Yeah. That's I was like, I have to ask because I'm like, it was like, is that one of her favorites? Then, you know, we, we were, we get curious. Um, or I do uh, love her movie. If, I, if you had asked me, yes, I would definitely have said that that was one of my favorites. Yeah. And I love sense, that. One. It makes sense in the story that he's watching that movie because that was like the matchmakers playbook thing was that the, the advice that they gave. Yes, that's the other thing too. That if you don't know what that book that the book and, and movie was about, it's like oh, he's just watching anything else. You might as well right. like add Little House of the Prairie there, and he would it, it would have made sense. But knowing that this is the character that's giving out romantic advice, and he's watching that, you're going, oh, okay, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the best thing about little Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Like I about that like with some of the pop culture references yeah that I put into my books in getting real there was a line where she's talking about getting drunk for the first time when she was like 21 and how she can't drink I think it's tequila she yeah drink tequila ever since and she says you know the north remembers and so does my stomach yeah so you know fans of game of thrones will look at that statement and be like oh no, game of thrones reference yeah <laughs> <laughs> But if you don't know that it's a Game of Thrones reference, you're not going to be like, what the heck is she talking about? Like, you're just yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, so she can't drink that anymore. Get it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of waiting for something like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> really, I love that they were able to, just like adding the Matchmakers playbook, there were other parts of the film that they were able to put, like, visual comedy. Mm-hmm. And so they took, like, something from the book and again, kind of because it's a different medium, they changed it a little bit, but it, it turned out so good, like the three-man band. Mm-hmm. So in the book, in the three-man band, they're kind of like an 80s shore cover band. <laughs> but in, <laughs> in the movie, they're still an 80s band, but it's more like the jumpsuit headband, the colors. Yeah. And I was like the cheesy day, 80s. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And I was on set the day they filmed that scene and it was just so great, like behind the glass, like I was Drew and Kate are having this conversation, like they kind of pop out, mm-hmm. like, uh, and it was, it was really just a great visual laugh, you know, mm-hmm. or when Drew's punching the punching bag 
and mm-hmm. and Billy's pictures. <laughs> yes. Like so we would do that. We would do that. Totally do that. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, because they know what they're doing and like they're they know. I mean, I gave my input, obviously, you know, every step of the way, but I always said, you know, I'm not a filmmaker. You know, you want to ask me about a book, you want to ask me about editing, Mm -hmm. I I can, you know, give you the straight answer, but I'll give you my opinion. But you, you know, they're the filmmakers, so do with whatever you think, (laughs) whatever you think is gonna work best. It's all good. Yeah. But even like with Dee Dee Warren, who is um, Kate's best friend, but also Billy's cousin. um, The fact that when you were, you know, listening, I'm listening to this and I'm going, I know she's going to be a smart woman, you know, because of the the relationship as far as the best friend and everything. I mean, it could have been a doctor. It could have been a lawyer. No, a rocket scientist. And, you know, the the way that they, you know, kind of did her in the movie as well was just like, if you don't have, if you don't know that she's a rocket scientist, you're kind of thinking like, mm, yeah, that's definitely Billy's related relationship, right? right? But then you hear and you're going, oh shit, you know. And the reaction of the guys too when they all find out that no, no, she's a rocket scientist, like literally, <laughs> it was <laughs> perfect, you know. And I love that also too that it's the the way that you wrote her and the 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 timing and also how she's also very sassy. Oh yeah. It's a sailor did such a great job mm-hmm. with Dolores. Um, it was like, she walked like <laughs> Dolores. Uh, yes. <laughs> like she walked out of my mind. Like she was literally DD. It was mm-hmm. so great, but yeah, I mean, Dolores is the best friend, you know, that isn't really the shoulder to cry on. She's the one who's going to bring the shovel to bury the body. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I think everybody should have a best friend like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, she was wonderful as a D and she was able to, like you said, deliver the strength. Um, but at the same time, there was like a caringness about it. Like you always knew that what she was saying was coming from her care and love of her friend. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, that just made it, you know, all the more fun. And yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Because it's always fun to have that friend again. That's I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like I have the shovel. Yes, exactly. You bring the tarp. I'll bring yes, the tarp. I will help you hide the body. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, and you know, having her be a rocket scientist, I feel like there's an element of danger. Yes, like, I don't know how to make things go boom. <laughs> like, I work with chemicals. <laughs> oh my god, that line where she tells them, "I know how to work. I work with chemicals, and I know how to make it odorless, tasteless, and no one will ever know." Tasteless. Yeah. <laughs> Chemicals, yeah, yeah, such a great threat, yeah. And the guy's like, "Damn, she's hot." (laughs) Yeah, no, and then Cameron as well. The way his portrayal of Mm -hmm. Matthew, yes, I loved. I thought he was he was not even. I thought he was definitely funnier in the movie than he was in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and Matthew's kind of like Drew's good angel in a way i feel like he's kind of like if, if there was like the angel and the devil sitting on drew's shoulder like i think the angel might look like matthew and the devil might look like drew <laughs> oh. very jewish to have himself be the devil yes, yes. <laughs> he's also his own worst enemy at times but no i think cameron the comedy that he injected into that performance was really just so mm-hmm. fantastic and just really delightful to see yeah. So we can't talk about all this and not dive into the sex scenes because oh. it's one thing to write them. Yes. And then it's another thing to hear them 
performed by Ala Sebastian York. Yeah, that can't be easy either. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> but then you're watching it. Um, yeah. How was that for you? Um, you know, kind of getting those scenes because they they were it was done very nicely. It wasn't over the top. That's the other thing too. Sometimes yeah. people have this. I have this fear about oh, it's romance, and it's like they it's all about the sex, and it's not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, again, I mean, so, so well done. I'm so lucky to have the director and the team and the actors that we did. So Tracy and I, so first off, you know, the the sex scenes in Tangled are still to this day, some of the most difficult that I've ever written. And for me, they were difficult because specifically Drew is narrating and the type of character that he is. He's very funny in the way that he talks and describes things. And I remember when I was writing those scenes, I didn't want to change his voice. Like I didn't want him to change. And he suddenly becomes like all like throbbing members. Yeah. <laughs> so, like he's not a euphemism guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really kind of just like dance of making sure that the you know the passion and what he was feeling for Kate and the description of what they were doing you know was still in his voice and every once in a while there would just be like a little bit of humor added in there without it being you know without it breaking the momentum of the love scene um but then uh, Tracy and I had had discussions again before filming about what my thoughts were for the love scenes you know because they are such an important part of the story, part of, you know, the romance, part of the book. Um, and I, of course, I was comfortable with whatever the actors were comfortable with first and foremost, because if they were not, you know, happy, obviously, or, you know, if they were not good, then it was not gonna, but none of it was gonna work. So, um, but I just wanted them to be, like you said, beautiful. And what we all agreed with was it, it had to keep coming back to the emotion. Like when you center it back to what these people are feeling, then I think, you know, you keep it elegant and you keep it romantic. And then, then it transfers to the audience to understand what they're feeling. Um, so like in the beginning, like the opening of this, and I, I mean, I thought the love scenes, first of all, were stunning and they were beautifully shot and mm. they were also exciting. Like they were exciting and fun. Like I like that they laughed at times and I like that, you know, Drew's shirt being ripped open was included because I feel like for readers, that was like an iconic kind of part that they would pick up on. And also, you know, when Kate stands there and she unzips the back of her skirt, that was a big scene in the book. You know, it was a very distinct kind of when he's sitting on the couch and her skirt kind of falls and then she goes to him. And I think what's particularly, I'm so glad they kept that in the film as well, because I really think what's real sexy about that moment is like, she has agency, she has ownership. You know, this is a choice that she is making. She likes this guy. She's going in eyes open. You know, he has not tricked her. He has not seduced her. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think there's a real empowerment in that, that makes it especially, you know, for the women watching, you know, or the women reading, it's really relatable and it makes it, you know, really exciting and sexy. So, you know, initially it was, it was great, you know, that they were so into each other and it's kind of this culmination of all this kind of sexual tension that's been building. So, um, you know, I love that, you know, the music that they set to the love scenes as well, 
you know, was just kind of perfect. But um, yeah, so no, so going into those scenes, um, you know, it, that was my, very much left to Tracy and the actors, you know, that wasn't necessarily scripted. But going back to where you're saying as far as the audiobook, you know, it's really funny because I was thinking about this <laughs> the other day. Um, what, what Passion Flicks is really smart about. So in, in a love scene in a book, like when you're writing, you have the narrator's voice, but you don't just want, as a writer, you know, I don't just want to have 10 pages of internal thoughts and descriptions because that's not a lot of fun for the reader to read. So in, oftentimes in romance books, like characters will talk to each other or will say something, you know, you can, oh God, or... <laughs> You know, you get some direction in there just to kind of break up, you know what I mean? Some of the description and some mm-hmm. of the internal feelings. And but thoughts. also to tell us that they actually are enjoying what they're going on. Yeah, a different way to express it. But when you're seeing it in front of you, like you're seeing that they're having a good time. And like, it just thinks sometimes like, is there anything worse than like an, oh God, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of thing. Like that wasn't, and we all agreed thankfully that that wasn't really it wasn't really necessary yeah it can take it can take I think the audience out of the scene as well yeah but but the audiobook narrator still got to do those parts so god bless them <laughs> <laughs> well again it's, it's it's we're getting it like you're you're painting the picture for us via the words and so in order yeah. to us to we kind of have to have all these descriptives but also knowing what the characters are thinking and at the end of the day though the realism is that when you are with someone there's gonna be something that might be funny yeah. um or e- even if it's during um or if it's right afterwards there was something that you know you thought about or whatever that popped in so that's also very like real that was also thought- good yeah, I thought the scenes were very intimate, you know, and, and even not necessarily the love scenes themselves, but like just the whole weekend of them eating together in bed when they're having cereal or, you know, she's sitting on his lap in his office. It was very, they were very familiar. They were very comfortable. The chemistry was still there. And they were just very intimate moments, you know, that showed how close they were. And there's a warmth that comes with that. You know what I mean? For the audience, there's like an affection that you're so happy that they're together that then carries over to as the story continues and everything that happens after happens. Yeah. Well, it's always great. I mean, we love it when they're 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 the billionaire and then he's whisking her in his helicopter off to his yacht and then they land in their castle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things we love about it. But at the same time, that the fact that they... Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's a pie somewhere, right, Emma? Um, <laughs> you know, because you know when you're craving pie, and this is just a little, you know, <laughs> you might as well just go, go to the, the states, the castle, and with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what I loved about it this too was that it's you know they were playing board games. Yeah. You know, and like you said, it's eating the cereal and stuff like that. But that's also like I have board games. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's so, yeah, it's, it's that relatableness. Definitely. But I think when a character is relatable, they're understandable. Yeah. When they're understandable, they're likable and they're lovable. And that's when the connection happens. And I think that that happens, whether it's in a book or whether it's a movie, I think it's harder to do in a movie. Um, But I, I think that they, 
you know, they just did such a great job with this one. Yeah, no, I think that, um, like I said, I've, I, what they call a founding member of Passion Flicks, I jumped on that, like, white on rice when that first thing came out. <laughs> um, because I was like, I'm very passionate about having these stories shared that, you know, is written by women for women, you yeah. know, which is one of those things. And then also having it be that it's a woman director and the, the writers are women and they're not going to get stupid about certain things that sometimes happens in the big film industry and things like that. And it's just one of those things that, so I was like all over that. I'm like, yes, I will hear, go for it, girl, girl, go. And, and so we got to see some of these, you know, some of the, like the, the images first and the casting first and things like that. But it's just, again, it was, it's, I loved everything that they've done. Has everything yeah. been absolutely great? No, there's been some stuff that I'm going through. That's so cheeky. That's so cheesy, you know, but they really are, a situation where everything is you know improving and better and i was like yes they totally aced it and nailed it with tangled oh god i'm so glad to hear you say that yeah no i thought they did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. and you know i mean like you said this i think it's just the i would support passion flicks even if you know my books weren't option just because as you said i think it's just such a smart um needed mm-hmm. kind of business um you know there's this audience who want to see these stories come to life Mm -hmm. Uh, they're good stories they're stories that should be told and you know that are fun and should be made and you know I just I'm just so fortunate and I feel very lucky to have been a part of it so Mm -hmm. yeah I know I really hope that they uh continue to grow and pick up more books and I know they even did one that was a PNR because that's my other I love the PNR genre. Yeah. Uh, And so I'm like, like, there's so many possibilities there. Um, But I know the the, the, the effects are different and those are significantly more expensive. So I'm okay with waiting uh, until, you know, everything can be done the right way too. That's the other thing. Um, But I'm dying for them to do some of your other books. I know that you said that Royally Screwed has been picked up by them. So I'm I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited for when that moves forward. Just because I just think that, and now again, different story, different from Tangled, you know, mm-hmm. still has the, the romance and some humor in there. But I think um, visually, you know, mm-hmm. the castles and just the, you know, just very romantic kind of setting and idea of the story mm-hmm. um, that I'm so excited to see, you know, what they do with it. I, th- mm-hmm. I think, again, it's a story, it's that like modern fairy tale kind of story that people can be excited about. But you know what I was thinking too before when you said, um, you know, like the written for the women's women's perspective. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's interesting, one of the reasons too that I loved writing Tangled was because so I grew up with historical romance, reading historical romances, and I love historical romances. But I never felt like the guys <laughs> groveled enough. Do you know what I mean? Like you had like the, the Scottish Lords, Laird. <laughs> you know and he would like hurt the heroine's feelings and do all this kind of crummy jerky stuff (laughs) and eventually but they would have their happy ending and then he would admit that he loved her and she loved him and then they would live happily ever after and that was happy ending and I you know you had to kind of imagine how he would later say you know I'm so sorry that I Mm -hmm. you know told you to go back to England (laughs) whatever (laughs) it was you know and I feel like entangled, like even though it's from Drew's perspective, the the 
the women readers, I relished that Kate made him work for it. Yes. And I loved that. I loved his guilt and his regret. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I said, yes. But I also loved, you know, um, yes, his grand gestures. Like even he groveled still like himself. And that was kind of fun too. Like he did it in this really just overpowering (laughs) Drew way of trying to win her back. But at the heart of it, it was, you know, that he broke her trust. He said something and did something that was terrible and she didn't trust him anymore. And he had to show her that she could trust him and that he wasn't going to hurt her and that he was really invested in this. Yeah, I was going to say, that's something too that you do in all your stories is that you provide that moment of, that I don't feel like I have to throw the book across the 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 room because he they, they the heroine makes them work for it. There's got to be something besides the fact that he's hot or that he's good in bed, you know, or that he'll eventually get to it and say, you know, that it's giving me all the details um, as to why he was being such an asshole. There is that yeah. moment, that pitical moment of where there's that groveling that has to happen to justify her taking him back. Yeah, I want to see like the growth. Like I yeah. want to see, you know, make me trust you again. Give mm-hmm. me a reason to believe you. That's not just necessarily words. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I loved that because I think, you know, I think ultimately, and I'm, I love that they kept that in the film too. Yes. Like when he redecorates his office. I know. Um, I, yeah, know. I mean, like my sister called me. She's like, I got choked up. <laughs> I know it's like he's planning in advance (laughs) (laughs) and and when you know that her parents wedding picture was there yes like it showed and I'm so glad that they kept that in because it wasn't just about him it wasn't just oh I love you so I want you here because I need you here with me Mm -hmm. it was like I want you to feel like this is your home too and Mm -hmm. I'm making this your home because I want to show you that I want you to feel that way you know, it's just really beautiful and really sweet. I don't know. I just thought they did so good. They did just such a great job with it. Yeah. It's almost like as the best friend of the character, you almost like be, as a, the listener, you kind of like them and you have the shovel ready to either start digging or use it to hit them over the head. But then that moment happens and you're like, girl, you got to listen to him. <laughs> like if they convince the best friend that it's, that he's still a good guy or that he he's made amends. That's where I think that's like, oh, okay, good. He's, he's done it. And you always, again, do a phenomenal job with that redemption, you know, option right there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, I mean, and Drew, that's definitely Drew's whole personality. Like when they were at um, the office party before Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and he made the comment like, oh, you know, you put yourself through, business school like I guess it be I guess it's better than pole dancing I think yes he says. yes <laughs> okay, first of all again <laughs> hearing that out loud I was like oh uh, <laughs> but I have a friend that would have said that I mean come on <laughs> I said, I'm like oh my god he's such a brat I'm like he's such a brat in that part you just want to say like things are going good don't screw it up Drew you know um but again he has this habit unfortunately of kind of lashing out a little bit when he's dealing with his feelings you know it's the first time he's been in love um so you know you get you end up getting lines like that but I forgot what my point was <laughs> you may have to <laughs> <this> out. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I think that it, it, it becomes one of those moments where you see him as a human being. And- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Exactly. And it's that, that, that um, being uncomfortable, that's, you know, it's relatable. You can relate, mm-hmm. to that, you know, that you're falling in love for the first time and you may read signals wrong. You may get things wrong. Mm-hmm. But I also think for him, he was shocked that she was not into him automatically. Yes. And, and uh, so, yeah. You know. yeah, I mean, well, because again, I think that, that, is kind of where his starting point is. And I think Alexandra says that later on, why should you chase anyone when you're so content to let everyone chase you? Yes. You know, his whole life, he has been wealthy and handsome and smart and funny, you know, and charming and pretty much things have come. Not that he doesn't work hard at work. Cause I think he does. And I think they made that clear. But overall, things have been pretty easy for him. There has never really been a time where he has to put himself out there, risk his own feelings, you know, risk his own heart until now. And that's why, like, initially he just reacts so badly to it. Yeah, I have the flu. (laughs) So, But then he kind of pulls himself together. So I think, again, that's part of it, too, is you're taking, like, the bigger theme, the playboy, and really, you know, you're bringing it down very small to those little relatable human moments that you're vulnerable you know Mm -hmm. yeah and i also did love it that it was with his sister that he kind of gets this epiphany in that conversation afterwards versus one of the guys that maybe being you know like his brother-in-law maybe who has been in a long-term relationship successfully with the sister but it was the sister he was listening to her so that kind of goes back to circling in that he respects her opinion and he does listen to her as the older sibling yeah, it shows both yeah. sides of their relationship. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, so that was awesome. So I am, I was, I was again so excited when this was originally announced, and then all the little things that we were getting as as uh, you know your readers and your and those that are fans of passion flicks, and then oh god, I was like awesome and so so thrilled that you and i get to chat about it i was like we need to schedule this after we watch it <laughs> yes and then we weren't sure because originally they were talking maybe christmas and then oh my god yes that's right we are they doing the virtual premiere yeah so no i'm so glad that we were able to talk about it after it's out yeah. Definitely, because I've been like bursting at the seams to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was funny too, because I was, I would, I would send you Facebook messages saying, so uh, <laughs> yes. did they happen to tell you when this thing was going to release? Yes. It was all kept tightly under wraps. Yes. As Passion <laughs> Flicks, please know that she did a really good job. If she did, yeah. if, if you guys did tell her, she didn't say shit. <laughs> She didn't. She's like, I think it was supposed to be around Christmas time. And so I'm again reaching out to her because that didn't happen. And and then it's like, well, let's just, you know, I think it's going to be soon sometime in the spring. So she kept her word. She, she was mom about it. So don't worry about it. Passion flicks. I'm she was ball. good. Yeah. <laughs> she, she herself as I am are volts. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I was so excited because, we, you know, we did the live listen. Um, and Sebastian York's um, official fan group and yes. your readers and your reader group were also getting excited and people were doing re you know re-listens and re-reads and it's the entire series and everybody was getting like it's a backlist and sometimes authors don't get to have that excitement about a backlist you know oh, yeah yeah no 100 percent. and mm-hmm. like you said it's it's wonderful 
to, you know, possibly find new readers, people who have seen the movie who hadn't read the books yet, but now want to go back mm-hmm. and read the books, you know, to get all those details that don't necessarily make it into any film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, super exciting, super. I mean, this, you know, having your book adapted into a film is really just like the ultimate come <laughs> <laughs> true. And the fact that that film is, well done and polished and fun and mm-hmm. you know, so representative of the story you know is just the icing on the cake it's just more you know than i'd ever hoped for so i yeah. couldn't be happier i know i'm gonna rewatch it this weekend again it's gonna be my self-care moment i did it last time i've had some tea uh when it came out i was like i'm not only am i gonna be talking to emma so definitely have to watch it beforehand but it's i've been dying for it so i was like it's me time people leave me alone cell phone was on silent except for like when i was taking a photo here because you know social media you have to show <laughs> Such a good self-care kind of movie i think too because it makes you feel happy like you're just yeah. kind of and the more times i've watched it i mean i liked it from the beginning but the more times i've watched it the more i love it i find like little just little touches here or there that i missed you know the yeah and I think that's the other thing too. That's the other reason why I kind of want to watch it again is because just like when you're reading a book, you're, you get so involved in it and you get so into it that sometimes you miss some of these little details or you captured, it, but it's not resonating in your head for some reason. And then when you reread it or re-listen, or in this case, rewatch it, you're going, Oh dude, how did I miss that? Like even like as a cartoon, like in Canto, there's a, a scene where Bruno is dancing in the back of one of the uh, scenes where the, the sister is singing and I'm going, I did not see that yes. the first time I saw it at all. I'm like, thank you, yes. YouTube, um, <laughs> for well, pointing that out. The first time that I watched the movie that I realized like just how vibrant like the mm-hmm. colors are in the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, and just like a shout out, you know, to the cinematographer, like the shots and the colors, the wardrobe, it's just really beautiful. Yeah. You know, like, their costumes they kind of match but nothing too 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 obvious we're like oh they matched but you know what I mean like it's just so so well done and just really visually so pretty to look at absolutely yeah so listen if you have not seen it you need to it is on passion flicks um if you don't have a passion uh, subscription you should get it but it's also on amazon prime so you can pay specifically for that movie um and then apple you know books, I think. i'm not apple books apple tv I apple think tv i think has it yeah maybe apple. even rook there's a couple there's different ways to stream it that it's not having to uh, i believe having to be a, a complete member of fashion flicks but again not only supporting the romance landia but there are other movies out there that they have done that are really good including the matchmaker that i yeah. highly suggest if you haven't watched that one either um, and seductions and snacks was really good too yes I mean, yes that one was really good too yeah there's a lot of them in there and of course they also have other romance um rom-coms and other you know dramas and stuff that are romance almost like a netflix concept too so yes. yeah and also thing. has an app as well yes. that's available in the ios store and the android store yep so there's um, different ways we'll include all the links where they can oh, get it trust me I'm right. like, you have to watch it. I'm like talking to people. So, hey, have you done it? Like, they're like, I don't know what to do this week. I'm like, oh, I got something for you to do. <laughs> no, I'm really excited. And I think, like I said, it's a great time. You know, it's interesting because when Tangled was first published, mm-hmm. there was, a, I think the reason that it was kind of, you know, took a lot of 
um, you know, bloggers caught the attention of a lot of bloggers and readers was mm-hmm. because the, the market at the time, there was a lot of kind of tortured heroes, mm-hmm. you know, dark pasts, whereas <laughs> Tangle just came in, it was like super light and Drew was like, just would say anything and totally unapologetic. Yeah. You know, it was just like this fresh voice. And I feel like right now, you know, now's the time that we need rom-coms, you know, mm-hmm. we need kind of these light, wonderful, fun stories to kind of make, make us feel good. And this mm-hmm. way we refreshed and reinvigorated. Yeah. So don the face mask, get into comfy clothes or your PJs, have your tea kettle or, or favorite drink or cocktail, whatever is, is all about you and focusing on, you know, the self-care and pop that movie in, um, which is so timing me because that is such a VHS thing to say. <laughs> I got you. I can yes. <laughs> yes. Head over to your blockbuster, why don't you? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's too so funny. Oh, there's actually still one blockbuster out there for trivia purposes. Um. <laughs> there's ah uh, blockbuster. That was the day when you could yeah. go to spend like a good forty five minutes figuring out what you were gonna watch. Hmm. Figuring uh, out what the, the the timing of it all is because of the different the some of them have different the, yeah return dates and stuff like that, which is yeah. why you know fast forward now I'm like Netflix, Hulu, you know all these other apps, and I'm going Passionflix is another one on there. So I, it's almost like oh, there's so much option, but I can do it from the comfort of my home in so my PJs, yeah, and whenever. Phone. If your kids have the TV, mm-hmm. you can watch on your phone on your laptop. Yep, yep. Different on the on so many different options. So that's a good thing. But yeah, that totally dated me. Pop that in. Oh God, Viv. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a fun thing that I want to do. Did you um, oh, yes. were able to do the two truths and a lie? Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm curious what you're going to shoot at me oh, based after God. all their conversations and being, you know, like I think I. You know, from a from a listener reader perspective, I'm like, ah, let's see how this is going to. I thought it was going to be okay. Fun. Okay, I am not good at this. <laughs> a lot of thought went into this. Yeah. Well, I was in the middle of, the, of my other stuff going on today. I'm going. Wait, I I think I sent it to her at the original email, which was like back in October. I'm like, I might I need to send her a reminder. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, yeah, good. I was like, oh, yeah, otherwise, no, no bueno. Um, So you're going to tell us three things about you, and we're going to try to guess which one is the lie. So two are true and one is lies. That's how we're supposed to do this, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So number one is I like to change the the location of where I write my books, like where I'm actually physically writing them. Okay. Not like where they are in the story. (laughs) <laughs> I was a lawyer before I became a full-time author. I live on a tree farm in New Jersey. Oh, and she like and she slammed it. She's like, tell me which one it is. <laughs> 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 and considering that she has done a lot of interviews and she's done a lot of chats and I've read her books. I'm like going, okay, let's see. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So I want to say the lie see here's the thing too by the way guys she said that she's you know in a tree farm in jersey she does live in jersey right so now it's those little attention to details that they give you you're going hmm, hmm. so i made it tricky yeah she did she did 
lawyer or changing the location of where you write. I think that it, the, the location of where you write does changing is true. Should I answer as you, as you ask? Yes. Yes, that is true. Okay. I, yeah, I always write in my books, including like the backseat of my car. I, I wrote getting real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I write, like, and it's weird because then I tend to gravitate towards that for the whole book. Mm-hmm. Like until written, and then the next book I'll write someplace else. Like the mm-hmm. book I'm currently writing, I'm back in my office again. So it's, I don't know. I guess the change of scenery just helps keep me inspired. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes it gives you that, you know, breath of fresh air. I know you were saying that, um, that um, when you were writing Getting Real, it was at a park because it was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Your house was not quiet. <laughs> yes. And I was out of the house and not distracted. Yes. yes. <laughs> so now you're down to two. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. And I th- okay, so I'm going to say that the lie is the tree farm in Jersey. No, that is true. I That's true, the tree farm? farm? Oh, see, I'm like, I thought she was a lawyer. I know. No. I was thinking. No, you know what? And I do get, that's why I added that because I knew it would be tricky. I actually, I worked for a lawyer. I was a receptionist. See? Yes. I was a receptionist at a law firm when I was in college. And I wanted, when I was younger, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and then I also wanted to be a writer as my hobby on the side. (laughs) (laughs) So now I am a writer who also has written about lawyers. Yes. Yes. But yeah, no, um, a lot of people have, you know, I've heard that a lot about me Mm -hmm. that that I was a lawyer, but I was not. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually, um, well, I was a stay at home mom, but before that I was a teacher. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So tree farm. Tree farm. Yes. I live on eight acres and we have all kinds of trees. We sell firewood. Um, There are pine trees in New Jersey. Wow. Yeah. I literally live like in the middle of the woods, (laughs) (laughs) but it's nice. It's quiet. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I love the property. I love being able to walk when we were here, you know, under isolation it was, I was the luckiest person in the world to be able to be here. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. No, trees are gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, palm trees will do so well up there in Jersey with the snow, but you never know. They are stubborn no. sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So well, thank you for that. That was fun. Yeah. I yes. think also too, your, 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 um, your profile picture, the one that you have on your website, like your headshot. Yes. I think that too is very like lawyer-esque, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know like, you say you look like a real estate agent. <laughs> like it doesn't even look like you. Yeah. Well, see now you have to do some form of new like photography thing. Cause you do have those lovely bookcases yes. in your office. Yes. No, and- I've been doing that for a couple of years. I need to update the profile picture. Yeah. And the lighting yeah. in that room too is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be great. Or maybe outside amongst the trees. Yes, you have, <laughs> you know, the, the trees are there already. <laughs> yeah. Yes, maybe next fall I'll finally have a photographer come and I'll do that because I have been meaning to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on or what's coming up next for you that you can share? Yes, I'm like finishing, really finishing um, this week. Uh, edits on Royally Remembered which is a um, royally series companion novella. 
So what it is, is it's a collection of scenes from the first four main books that are kind of some say some take place during Royally Screwed, some take place before Royally Screwed, some take place after Royally Yours. And they're predominantly um, Lenora and Edward focused, but we will see some of the other characters. And pretty much these are just a collection of scenes to answer any lingering questions for um, fans of the series about how certain events that were alluded to in the books, how they like actually unfolded. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it has a happy ending, um, but it's, it's truly for people who have read the series and love the series and are still looking for you know, new <laughs> exactly exactly i'm really i it's, i've been meaning to write this it's kind of a passion project of mine and i've been meaning to write it for probably like two years and i'm just i love it and i'm really excited to share it i think readers particularly people who love edward and lenora and royally yours are going to really love it mm-hmm. yeah no i love that series too um will it be coming out in audio it will yes yeah. um i don't know if it's going to be a simultaneous release we're still figuring that out but it will absolutely be out in audit um from audible yeah nice cool yes yeah and it's one of those like we're always asking like is it coming out in audio <laughs> yeah yeah no i love and so then the other project actually that i'm working on is another audible original hmm. and it will be hopefully coming this year out in audio first and it doesn't have a title yet but it is a enemies to lovers um forced proximity romance and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun i'm you know it's it's so funny because as for getting real like what i loved about the characters was just how good they were and how pure they were mm-hmm. and there was such a sweet ease about their relationship and this couple is like the total opposite of that <laughs> <laughs> like they're kind of dysfunctional like when i say enemies to lovers like they're for real they dislike each other <laughs> Mentally. she has a shovel yeah <laughs> yes. yes and they are just stuck with each other and it's really I don't I'm really loving it it's turning out to be like again one of my favorites it's really up there yeah. just because um if there's something so fun about genuine dislike mm-hmm. and then it turns into genuine like working together partnership and then love and it's a lot of fun yeah I also love it when the authors get excited about, you know, the story that they're writing. There's, there's sometimes you can tell a little bit there, yeah. there, especially when they've been in it for so long and the words may not be flowing or there's just something they can't figure out how to do it. Yes. Um, but then also when they're like, Oh, I'm really having fun. I'm like, I cannot wait to read it. I cannot wait to read it. <laughs> yeah. One of the worst feelings is knowing it could be better or it just, it, it needs to be better and you want it to be better. And yeah, just trying to, mm-hmm. cause then it's like pressure and your own desire that, you know, it could be, you just have to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. So that, that's really hard, but when it's working and it's all just clicking and coming together and you are enjoying it as much as you think your readers are going to enjoy it. That is, there is nothing better than that. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. It cannot wait. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, for when it comes out because you'll have to tell us because audible <clears throat> not so good at telling us things <laughs> oh as soon as i have a title and a, and a cover i'll absolutely be letting you know blasting it awesome. That's my goal is to get more out i feel like the last two years you know it's been hard it's been mm-hmm. hard to write you know as we talked about 
you know, just with everything going on. But um, that that's one of my own personal goals is to just, you know, be more consistently productive and really kind of pick up the pace now that I feel like I have a good writing rhythm again. Yeah. Well, we'll be here devouring them as they come out and probably okay. sending you little notes saying, so <laughs> what's the next one coming what's out? What's next? <laughs> Well, my goal, my dream, I know this is, this is not a goal. This is a dream. Right? <laughs> my fantasy is to have like four books, like ready to go in the can. Nice. <laughs> and then I can write more like as they're getting released. I just have to get ahead. Yes. And that's actually, it's funny too, that you say that is because that's actually a good formula for it. A lot of times I've, when I've had, you know, conversations with authors and stuff like that, it's sometimes it's just, just write it. Don't tell anybody about it get yes. them out done. And so as you're, these are releasing, you're getting people enticed to what's coming next, but you already have stuff coming next. So you're working yeah. on, it and then you can work on other things. So it's a good plan. It's a good goal. So I cannot yeah, wait. That is my goal. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> I'll check in on you from time to time. <laughs> keep, keep, keep <laughs> yeah. You gotta go. So, Hey, how's that writing going? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me go up there. Uh, <laughs> goodness. Um, at least I cook. That's the other one thing I said. Go. I will go hang out with you so you can have the time to write the books. I'll cook for you. <laughs> one less thing you have to worry about. <laughs> it's just the oddest thing. I mean, so like Stephen King, one of his famous quotes is, you know, amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just go to work. Mm-hmm. And there are days where that is like just spot on. There are days where... You just sit down and you know exactly where you're starting and it just all comes together and goes. And then for some unknown reason that I still have not figured out, and I don't know anyone who's figured it out. Mm -hmm. There are days where you just sit down and you're like, what am I writing? (laughs) (laughs) Who are these people? (laughs) Like, what is this story about? That even happened with Royally Yours. I can't tell you how many times, like I would have three or four really great writing days and I would just completely lose any emotional connection to the characters. And that was such an emotional story, mm-hmm. you know, for me to write. It was just so odd. But then, and then I just had to wait for that connection to come back. And then when it did, it was, you know, fabulous. Yeah. So just a very odd business. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I will be one of the ones that, oh, wait, you know, you have two types of readers, those that are biting at the, at the bits to get the next book. I much rather you take your time and give yeah. me that story that is going to be as it should be versus rushing it and giving me a meh, media, you know, not the best that it could have yes. been. So I much rather wait for it. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. If it's going to be late and there's a good chance it's going to be late anyway, you, you just want to make sure it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and sure. then that'll get you through to the next. But like I said, I'm really excited because I feel like I'm in a really good rhythm now mm-hmm. where Royally Remember is absolutely coming out in the next few months. Um, audio to follow or simultaneous. And then the next Audible original will be Yay. out hopefully this year. Yeah. So Yay. all good things. All good, yes. good things. Awesomeness. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for taking the time to hang out with me and talk about your movie that came out. It's all exciting. It is. It, I'm so excited. It's just, like I said, it's been an honor. I'm delighted. I'm thrilled. It was wonderful to be a part of it. I could not be happier with the job that the Passion Flicks and the actors and director Tracy Hayes has done with this story. So if you haven't seen the Tangled movie yet, definitely check it out. I'm excited for you to watch it. Mm-hmm. And um, my latest release, Getting Real, is out in audio, ebook, and print now. And it's a great comfort, feel good read. If you need that, check it out. 
Yep. And thank you for letting me talk for so long. It's so <laughs> great. I'm so excited just to be able to talk about the film, like I said, and everything that the great job that everybody did. It was lovely. It's always lovely visiting with you. So thank you for having me. No, thank you. And if any, um, if you're not following Emma on social media, we'll be including those links as well as all the links for the upcoming, the release that has just happened and Tangled and where you guys can find it. And you'll find that in the episodes post over at Viviana Enchantress of Books. So thank you again. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Line Black-Peterson, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard, Nancy Billows. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout-outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, VivianaEnchantressOfBooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening. <laughs>